Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Still No Plan. I'm Autumn Webb, and I'm here with Jordan Granger and a lovely host today. I mean, guest today. <laughs> I think this is the first guest that's actually one of my friends. I feel like we've only interviewed people that Jordan knows or like random people on the internet. And so today we are here with Jess Shear. She is a personal trainer slash my old personal trainer slash middle school teacher slash she was actually my dad's friend first. So this is a fun little friendship <laughs> triangle that we have going on here. But we want her on today to talk all things like fitness, nutrition, slash 20s life, whatever it's wherever it's going to take us. So hello, Jess, and we're happy to have you. Hi, Autumn and Jordan. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on this end of the podcast and let's get into it. Oh, I forgot to say, Jess has her own podcast. So if you like this episode, you can check her out on Inside Job. Um, but to get into it, I just wanted, it's funny, I've never asked you this. So you like went to college and you didn't go the corporate route. You decided to follow this like fitness and nutrition route. How did like, what drove that decision? And then what drove you now to teaching too? Yeah, good question. So when I was at SDSU studying kinesiology, there are a few different sectors you can go with kinesiology. And most people go the physical therapy route as it's the most lucrative and consistent in general, right? There's always going to be injured people who need attention, but I was never interested in injury rehabilitation. I always enjoyed the more preventative side of things. So I decided to make my emphasis with kinesiology fitness and I went the strength and conditioning route. So for those of you who haven't heard that term before it was it's essentially sports performance and focusing on the actual training injury prevention and overall fitness um, performance of an individual or groups so I, I loved working with athletes and teams and I started off with that and I loved it for a long time I never thought corporate the corporate world in general would be for me the whole nine to five and I know that's super cliche to say and most people don't want that kind of schedule but I just knew for quality of life in general, I had to kind of start earlier and end earlier. That's how I like my life to go in general. So I was pretty pleased when I first got out of university and started personal or started training in uh, the university setting and with clients. And I had a great time. I did it for about probably not yet. Yeah, nine years was in that field. And I, I still train clients and I still really love it. But I think I've always known that I wanted to teach. It's always something I've had in the back of my mind. And during when COVID, the whole thing broke out, it kind of forces you to be a more, bit more introspective. And I started racking my brain thinking, all right, love training, but this isn't it for me. What can I see myself doing for a long time? What do I think I have an affinity for and how can I be impactful? And I think that led me right to teaching. And I kind of, it all came together because I was really excited. I finally went back to my initial thought idea I had growing up. So I just immediately within like, three weeks of coming to this conclusion, enrolled in my master's and credential program and just went for it. So got my credential and master's in January and I'm out of middle school right now. <laughs> that is, I have so many follow-up questions just from that little intro alone. But my <laughs> first question is, did you play sports in college? I didn't play. So I didn't play sports at SDSU. It's funny. I was actually just talking about my, my biggest regret recently and it was not playing club. I wanted to play club mm -hmm. soccer when I got there and I never wound up trying out. So only in high school and I played fun rec leagues outside of college, but not within SDSU. Okay. Cause I feel like I know a lot of my friends from, I also played soccer, like my high school soccer team who then played sports in college, went the kinesiology route. So I was just curious. I was going to ask you how moving on from college sports is, but my 
other question that I have for you is you mentioned that like you realized training wasn't for you. What about training was like, it sounds like you really enjoyed it. So what about training and what things were you thinking that made you decide you needed to change your career path? That's a really good question. And, and it's not that so much that training wasn't for me. It was that I didn't see it being my forever thing. I liked being able to curate my own schedule. I really enjoyed that. But I think I realized I would have a, not necessarily a bigger impact, but just, I think I'd be more stimulated with more people in front of me. And I, and I like working with really impressionable and a really impressionable demographic. And that's not necessarily elementary school kids, but kind of that, that those teen years that are really formative. So I always knew I wanted to have more people in front of me and I wanted to work with people who are really impressionable. As we get older, as we all, we all know, you start to kind of settle into your ways a bit more, right? And I, and I still, again, I still love training my clients, but I think it becomes really, really challenging to have so many one-on-one -on -one sessions consistently. You're, it's so draining socially. You have one hour session back to back to back eight times through in a row. And I had nothing left. And teaching is not necessarily easier but I don't feel as drained. The kids don't drain me as much as, which is so weird to say, but as much as adults <laughs> do who have so many life things, right? They, you've lost your innocence as an adult and the kids are still so pure. Not all of them, but the majority. <laughs> I feel like there's a different like mindset that adults who are paying you for personal training have too. I know from hearing from you and from my dad is like a lot of people trauma dump on trainers and like use it they pay more for like a listening ear than they do even for like a workout. Cause you can work out by yourself and you can work out in a class. So a lot of people, there's like a strong emotional connection that you build with a trainer. And then they like expect you to be always on and to be that like sunshine person for them that like they can unload to emotionally and physically literally. So I feel like kids don't come to you with that. Kids are just like bright eyed, I mean, maybe not in middle school, but kids are like wanting to be there and be social. And like, some want to learn from you and some want to just be with their friends, but like they're coming with like a more, a different headspace, like just going to school than like someone that you're training would. So right, absolutely. And people love it. That's funny. It's the whole like hairstylist phenomena, right? You tell someone who's kind of on the outside of things, everything about your life. And just telling a friend the other day that I had a client who came in one morning and said, Hey, can we just talk to the, I have no capacity to move. Like that's so insane to me. Like, I'm not your right? therapist. That's what therapists are for. And that's what your friends are for. And, and not that I'm not this person's friend, but it's always just so interesting when someone just wants to talk and they want to pay you hundred bucks for the hour to have a chat. Right. But, um, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it is. A, it's a bit mind blowing, but everyone needs someone to talk to. And I think when someone doesn't necessarily have a therapist or they just, they're comfortable. Like you said, Autumn, you become this really close person emotionally in their life and they trust you and they feel they can say whatever to you, whether that's, you know, them cheating on their partners or the drama with their kids or just what from A to Z, you have the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like uncomfortable boundary wise. Have you like, how do you set boundaries with clients? Like, I'm sure you've had clients hit on you, ask you out. Like, how does that, how does that work? You know, what's funny that you mentioned that is I was Thinking about that recently, because I have, I know a lot of trainers who have had that happen with, I think I set a really, really firm tone from the beginning, really firm tone. The only kind of texting communication there is outside of the gym is gym related. Mm -hmm. And even if we, get, if we become friends, that's totally fine. But with, when I have male clients, it's very clear from the beginning that there's, that, that is not the tone that's being set. Have there been gym members? Absolutely. But actual clients, I really haven't dealt with that 
maybe, maybe one time, but it's been very scarce, which I'm grateful for. I think it is how you present yourself in a way too, right? If you have like a no tolerance policy for kind of bull, can I say BS on here? Yeah. yeah. For <laughs> <Cuss> it out. <laughs> no tolerance for bullshit behavior that kind of reads to that person quickly. And I kind of make sure that's, or make it known that's not okay. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's, you have people who are pieces of work and you have people who you get really excited to see. And so I do miss that a lot. I'm missing my people every single day and doing that. Absolutely. I just wake up now excited to go to work. And I've never felt like that before. Mm. When I was student teaching high school, I felt like that middle schoolers are a little bit. <laughs> I'm like flipping the camera off right now. I, you know, I do that to them every single day, but <laughs> that's another that story. Makes, yeah. I feel like that is the age that I fear the most. Like when I see like 12, 13 year olds running around, I'm like, you scare the shit out of me. I am going to like go the other direction. <laughs> but I'm curious. I feel like if I ever think about like, I don't know, whenever I think about like going on my own from work, the thing that most intimidates me is like building a client book. How did you, how do you book up your time? I mean, it sounds like you were booked and busy. So how did you build up that client book? And like, did you ever fire clients or have to like, be like, no, sorry, like this isn't working or like me needed to make room for other people. Um, how is that process? Yeah. Great. And it is, it is hard to go. Wait, Jordan, are you thinking about going on your own? I mean, I just like, I, we like hop around everywhere dabble. on work. We dabble in leaving. I really like my job, but I don't think again, like the corporate nine to five is a forever thing for me. So a lot of times I just kind of think about, oh, it'd be nice to you know, it's hard to think about, oh, I'm going to leave and build a product. Like it would be nice to like provide a service, but the fear of providing a service is like, how do I find people who care and want to like use whatever service I want to pursue? <laughs> I think everyone feels that way starting out, but I, I think, uh, so in, in the gym environment, when you go into a more, I guess, a corporate gym environment, they feed you new members pretty seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And so with that, it was nice because you have, you, they set you up appointments essentially, and you have a trial run. It's called a fitness assessment an FA, which a lot of gyms call it. And you have this kind of run through and trial. And I always hated the sales component of it. So I never actively sold myself. It was always just genuine conversation. Right. And I was compared to learning a language. People would say, well, I, you know, I want to, I want to see X, Y, and Z results in a matter of three weeks. And I said, well, can you learn a new language in three weeks? <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's a lot of work to change your body composition and make all these big life changes. This doesn't happen in three weeks. So I mm-hmm. think they always appreciate honesty. That was my, always my approach. I'm like, you can, maybe you can find a trainer who's going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. That's not going to happen. Right. So I think being really honest and developing that connection from day one was really important having a good first impression. But yeah, I was, so you start off with all these assessments and you don't close on all of them. Right. But I think that your ability to connect with people is your biggest thing with personal training, because that's what makes you retain clients. It's not just the actual the acquisition of them, it's being able to retain them. So it it takes time. I would say the first six months was a process of building clientele until I got to a full-time schedule that I appreciated from, you know, six to 12, like six clients a day is pretty full-time for a trainer. Uh, Eight is, you know, that's a lot. That's pushing. That was always my, I didn't want to do more than seven a day. And that was, that was pushing it, but it's a slow build and patience is the biggest thing. You have to know that if you're putting quality product or quality service out there, you're honest with them. You have a genuine connection and they have a social circle where they can spread, you know, word of mouth about you. It, it's, it will come. It's like, what's that movie? Um, Field of dreams, like build it mm-hmm. and they will come. I don't know I if you've seen, seen that, that baseball movie, movie but anyways, it, it's that kind of concept. You have to put the time in without knowing what the end result's going to be. Cause if you don't, you're going to look back and go, Oh, if I just did a, B and C, 
right? I would have reaped all these yeah. benefits. So I just had to stay patient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You talking about like setting clients straight when like you're not going to get results in three in three weeks. It reminds me I was driving in San Diego the other day and I saw this gym and like in the window in big like font, it said dream body in 20 minutes, two times a week. TM, they trademarked that. I was like, what the fuck? And they were like, <laughs> perfect workout, only 20 minutes, two times a week. And you're going to look better than ever. I was like, people like, can't believe this shit like that. I, I was, I was like, how do you pay for rent in La Jolla with that kind of trademark going on? Like, this is so- shocking to me, but on that note, what is your, like, what are your thoughts on training fads? I know there's a lot of like trends on the internet when it comes to training. And if you're going to like build just if you're, if someone's listening and doesn't have any workout routine and like wants to start, what are your recommendations for like building a a strength routine or any fitness routine, I guess? Yeah. So I think, I think the biggest thing first and foremost is being really, really clear with your goals, right. And goals is such a kind of a a buzzword. What are your goals? And it, it, it has to be specific. I think you have to be really clear with what you want the outcome to be and being honest with yourself and figuring out whether you're a hard worker or not, most people are not hard workers, right? And they don't have any kind of consistency or discipline to stick to a program. So what I always say first is be clear with what you're looking for. Are you looking for a little bit of weight loss? And if so, are we talking five pounds or 10 pounds? What are we looking at? 50 pounds? Do you want to drop a couple body fat percentages? What's the goal here? So being clear with what you want first and foremost is important. That way you can communicate what, what kind of service that you're seeking, right? In terms of training fads, I think once you're experienced in the fitness industry with nutrition or fit and movement in general, go ahead, try the crazy things, right? Try do keto, do carnivore, try these things. The only way you're ever going to find out if they work for you or if they're, they have any kind of efficacy is if you do them yourself, there's no harm in it. But if you're looking for consistency and gradual change over time, generally speaking, fads don't work, right? There's so much burnout in them it's really hard to stick to such extremes and that goes for either direction. So someone starting a new routine, let's say someone comes to me and says, Jess, you know, I've worked out a little bit of my life, but I know nothing about weightlifting. It's never been on my radar. I know nothing about it. I'm not comfortable in a gym. My number one thing would be either a couple of things, either hire a trainer just to get you started. Even if it's for a month to give you a general two to three time a week routine that you can now take and do on your own. Great either hire a trainer or work out with a friend who has experience in gym. That way you're naturally held accountable. You go with them. Hopefully they generally know what they're doing because they've been in the, you know, in that environment for a while or join a group fitness gym. It's a really quick, easy way to meet people. The trainers usually kind of pay more attention to new people, right? And it gets you excited to go. And then people start noticing when you're not there, right? So it is natural accountability built in also, which is great. But I would say those are kind of two big tips in starting simple is another, it's not really a hot take. People like different workouts every day. Like, oh, I'm going to vary my workout and do something different every single day. But when you do that, you can't track progress, right? So picking a routine where you, let's say starting off, just promise yourself twice a week, I'm going to start lifting. If you can't stick to twice a week, you're not sticking to four, right? So start twice a week, (laughs) do that same workout A, same workout B twice a week for four weeks for that first month and write down your weights. That way you can actually track progress over time because that will naturally kind of start you in that positive feedback loop where you get excited about results and it makes you want to keep continuing forward. So keep it really this more simple, the better when you first start. 
I would say those are my kind of big things in autumn, like that thing you saw the 20 minute, you know, change your entire life and whatever. There is truth in the duration. I think people go, I don't, I don't have an hour to spend in the gym. Okay. Who cares? Go spend 30 minutes, pick four or five movements, move through them three or four times, like two upper body, two lower body, one core move through a five, four to five movement circuit a few times. If you only have 20, 30 minutes, people don't like to start because they can't start big, just start somewhere and don't wait for a Monday. That's the biggest advice. Stop waiting for a Monday. What's the deal with Monday? <laughs> That's just, body doesn't know the stupid day of the week. That's so crazy. <laughs> we're, trying, we're trying to rebrand Monday. Well, I've been trying to rebrand Monday in my own personal life. Like I just like people are always like, ugh. Monday or then like at work people are always like it's almost Friday like aren't we so excited and I'm like do you just fucking hate every second of your life that you're just only living for Friday (laughs) Saturday and Sunday like that so on this podcast we're on a rebranding Monday strategy or team or goal (laughs) so I love that you say don't wait until Monday and also the concept of like yeah 20 minutes is fine or even like if it's five minutes throughout the day a couple of times like why don't you just like do 10 squats while you're in between meetings or like go on a walk around the office in between meetings. Like it doesn't even need to be at the gym to start getting these, like, uh, I think someone in my yoga training called it like get a little yoga snack or a little meditation snack in the middle of the day. So get like a movement snack. It doesn't need to be a movement meal. (laughs) It could just be 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. It's so true. I think we like, we make these things way bigger on our heads and they don't actually come to fruition in reality because we've, we've built it up so much and it seems so daunting. We become apprehensive, right? But just start small. I think another big thing, what happens is people, when they start training, they do too much too soon. They don't, they're not warming up properly. And I I see this all the time. People get injured so quickly. So if I were to give one more tip, it seems so simple, but warm up. The worst thing ever is when you experience injury upon onset of a new routine. And then you're out again. It's a, it's an immediate setback. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's so, uh, what's the word? It's so disheartening because you're so excited, right? So you go, yeah. you're so elevated and then you're down in the dumps. So warm up, move slowly, stay consistent, keep it really simple and have accountability, whether that be from a friend, a trainer or a group fitness studio. Mm-hmm. What is like an ideal warm up? Yeah. Good question. So even just having like, so two bands, there's the glute bands that are the small ones you put above your knees to warm up your glutes, your, your butt essentially. So doing a banded workout, lateral steps, things like that, lateral steps, forward and back steps, just to warm that muscle up. The stronger your glutes are, the stronger your knees and lower back will be, which are two commonly injured places in the body. And then having one of those long resistance bands and like going, it's funny, I'm like demoing, you can't see it on the phone. <laughs> up and over with a band. So you're warming up your shoulders doing some rows. So like tying it to something, doing some rows would be great. And if you don't have any equipment at all, totally fine. Doing a little quick circuit, for example, 10 squats, five pushups, and like a quick jog around the block and doing that a couple of times just to get your blood flowing in general is better than no warm up at all. I'm a huge warm up person. So I wish I can go through a full like complex thing, but just getting your blood flowing and doing a little bit of cardio is not enough. Like going on a quick little jog is not really enough. You have to actually focus on muscle activation, upper body, lower body. But I would focus a lot on the shoulders, the glutes and the hips when warming up. What do you think about stretching before or after your workout? Like what's your philosophy there? 
So before workout, anything that's going to get your blood flowing. So act, it's called like dynamic stretching, dynamic movement. It's where you're actively moving through motion. It's redundant. And then for after doing, so it's called myofascial release, SMR, self myofascial release. We all have this layer of connective tissue that covers our muscles. It's called fascia. And that's get not, that gets knotted. It's not our muscles that are knots. It's the fascia over. So rolling out after a workout, really, really great to kind of break up that stuff. Um, a lot of people do static stretching where they just hold positions. I don't love that as much. Reason being is you're already, your muscles are already in a stretch position after a workout. So when you static stretch, you're, you're, you're lengthening them even more, which is not necessarily bad, but it's kind of better to break up that tissue as a, as a cool down and definitely no static stretching before workout. Cause you're not trying to lengthen your muscles. Cause you're going to do that already when you start working out. So you don't want to, you don't want to pull anything. It, you have a higher proclivity to pull if you are static stretching before. So if you want a static stretch, do you just do it on days that you're not going to work out or like maybe hours before or hours after a workout? Like, is there a place for static stretching? Yeah, absolutely. I would do it on, I would do it on off days and I could, you could also do it after a workout. That's okay. Um, just not before workout. That's kind of the big thing. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like a lot of girls are anti lifting because, or like strength, because they think I have a couple questions here. They think <laughs> they're going to get bulkier. Um, so I want to talk about that. And then I also want to talk about when I was in high school and our soccer team added a weights routine into our team, like whatever, which was great. And that was like really my first introduction to weights. And we had a trainer and it was like a pretty good program. And I was the heaviest I've ever been, but like the most snatched I've ever been. (laughs) And so when you're talking through, I guess both my questions here, one is like, how, what can you expect for general results for working out? But also when you're talking through expectations for people, like, do you have to kind of set those expectations of like what losing weight is versus what losing muscle is and like getting smaller, isn't always like being lighter. Like how do you kind of navigate that? Yeah, really good question. I try to relate it back to basic concepts of exercise physiology. So I always explain the difference between muscle and fat. And I'll actually show them with a with an actual, like a tangible model. So we have these little things that are adipose tissue. So fat and then muscle. And we say, this is a pound of muscle and this is a pound of fat. Which one is smaller? And it's always the muscle because muscle is more dense. People always say muscle weighs more than fat. No, it doesn't. One pound of muscle is one pound of fat. A pound is a pound is a pound, right? But muscle takes up less room in the body than fat does. And I think we can all attest to that. Like you were saying, Jordan, you look more snatched. You look leaner when you have more muscle. It takes Mm -hmm. up less room. You look tighter, right? Fat likes to spread out. Think about even your thighs as you're sitting. Like it's sprawled out. I'm looking at my thighs and they're sprawled out on the couch right now. (laughs) Think about right. your fat ass legs. What do they look like right now? <laughs> Just look down at your cellulite thighs. <laughs> look at oh those God. thunder thighs We're on the chair right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we show them like fat spreads out, muscle it doesn't, it's compact. So when women are nervous to start a lifting routine, I always say it actually makes you look smaller. It makes you look leaner because you, you are more compact, you're tighter. And then with the, the nervousness around getting bigger, right? In order for a woman, a woman or anybody to get bigger, not only do you have to be lifting very heavy regularly, you have to have high volume. You have to be lifting a lot all the time consistently, but you also have to be eating a lot to grow muscle. Most women aren't lifting five to six times a week. They're not consuming enough protein or enough calories rather to even elicit that kind of muscle growth, right? 
and most people, not just women, most people in general don't work that hard to get bigger. Mm-hmm. It is, it's kind of hard unless you have a natural, it's called mesomorphic ability to put on muscle body type. Unless that's a really natural genetic thing. You're not really going to run into that issue. It's really, really rare for women to get really big from lifting. You obviously see these crossfitters who get, you know, Jack, but they're also probably on anabolic steroids. Basically. Steroids definitely help. So if you see women who look like that, <laughs> yeah, it's natural. Steroids definitely help. If you're looking to get big, you can just get some. <laughs> like I know people if you're interested. I'm kidding, not kidding. But, okay. Did that answer your question, Jordan? Yeah, totally. Okay. What are your what are your thoughts on um, this is all of the internet right now, cycle syncing and like women leaning into different levels of cardio or like strength or just like different levels of intensity workouts based off of like where they are in their cycle. Like, do you think there's any benefit to that? Or are you like, let's go hard most of the time? I think there is a lot of truth to integrating cycle singing. However, there's not a lot of studies done on it. So not only studies, but longitudinal studies, studies done over a long period of time. We don't have enough evidence to kind of demonstrate what's real and what's not yet. I think it's fascinating. I think there's a lot of truth to it because when you think about a woman's menstrual cycle in general over the, the course of 28 days, naturally we have just, I'm just for anyone listening, we, we have our menstrual cycle. I taught health science. That's also why this is kind of fun. <laughs> you have your menstrual cycle when you're actually bleeding, right? Your period. And then you have your, um, your follicular phase, that's your body getting ready for that egg, right? Ready for ovulation. And during that follicular ovulation, those two phases, you do have the most energy because it's your body saying, hey, it's time to have sex. Your body's giving you energy <laughs> want to have sex with people. That's what it's for, naturally. So you do have more energy. So during those two phases, it does make sense to attack like a heavier lifting kind of session or a higher intensity session in general because you have the energy for it. When you're in your luteal phase, right? That's your PMS time, right? Before your menstrual cycle, before your, before your menstruation, rather, you are lower on energy and this is not everybody. So it makes sense to kind of be more intuitive during that time. So I think there is truth to it because I definitely feel that. And I think this is a whole other topic, but birth control plays a huge role in this. I just got a birth control last year and you don't really have phases if you're on birth control, you're not ovulating. Your menstruation is a kind of a forced deal. It's you don't really have proper phases. So I think it makes a difference whether you're on birth control or not. Because if you're tracking your cycle off birth control and you can feel these changes happening during ovulation, so on and so forth, you do, you're naturally more intuitive. You're able to listen more to your body because you actually have symptoms. So I think there's a lot of truth to it. I think we need to make sure we have outlets to release tension. Like for example, our bodies are meant to move. I don't think there's ever an excuse to not move. I'm not saying you have to move every day and you have to work out every day, but you feel better when you are right before your period and you're crampy, you actually feel kind of better when you get blood flowing. Do either of you notice that? I have an idea, so I never get my period. (laughs) So I'm like, I don't relate to any of this. You're like, I'm just here. I'm I'm nodding along. Like Like, totally. Jordan's like, yeah. You know that audio? It's like, I'm standing. Jordan's just like, I'm here for the vibe. That's me. Um, Like I literally don't get my period. (laughs) I, I do notice that. I think that sometimes though, those are the days where like, it's so, so hard to get the movement, but I've just 
I used to be in a place where I was like, you have to work out hard or it doesn't count. But now I'm like, if I just move my body, it's better than not. And so now I'm more gentle with myself. And like, that is a day that I would just go for a walk and like, that's good. And that does help, but it's hard to drag yourself out of bed. If you're like really having bad cramps or something like that. Of course. And I, again, some people deal with the gnarliest period cramps and you know, it, or backaches, whatever it may be. And you can't relate to someone if you don't have that, you don't know what that's like. So I can't send him like, you need to move either way. That's super positive, <laughs> right? I, I just think being intuitive is, I hate another buzzword. I don't like love because it's used so frequently, but I think you need, you do need to listen to like what's going on each phase. If you are, if you have absolutely zero energy, take care of the other things that need to be taken care of, whether that's you journaling, like to release tension or you venting to friends or you making sure that you like have one cooked meal that day to make you feel better. Like something needs to be done to nourish yourself if it's not going to be movement. So if, if it's not going to be your physical health that day, maybe it's your social health or your emotional health. Right. But I think we need to not like make excuses based on our cycle to not take care of ourselves. And it doesn't need to be in every facet of health, but it needs to be in at least one or two. I really like, I really like that approach of like thinking through all the different facets of health. And I think to what Autumn was saying earlier, I get prone to comparing my workouts to better workouts. Like if, if I ran, I could have ran faster or I could have ran longer. And I started thinking like, no, I'm comparing it to not doing anything. Cause that was what was really going to be the other option. Like I was never going to run a marathon. <laughs> so like, why is that on the table? <laughs> but I also love what you're saying about like, okay, if I'm not feeling energetic enough to work out today. Like, is there something else I can do? Cause I think sometimes you're like, well, I can't work out. And then you're like, I'm just throwing it all away. Like today's an inside day and you just don't <laughs> do anything. <laughs> um, but kind yeah. of on that, like nourishment path, I'm curious if you like incorporate diet into your training, or if you have thoughts on like general kind of, maybe if you're like trying to get in shape, how to approach food. Really good question because nutrition is such a misunderstood and confusing topic for most, even including myself. You 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 think about it all the time. If you're food driven and you love food, it's something that's on your mind, right? And it is confusing because you hear so much on Instagram and the media, and you're like, well, what's right and what's wrong, right? These people over here are saying coconut oil is going to kill you, and these people are saying it's one of the best oils ever, and whatever you don't eat meat it's the worst thing you can eat other people are saying it's actually the key to health and so there's so much conflicting opinion with nutrition the best advice i can give to start off with in general is to cook as many meals as possible at home i think that is a good place to start and i hear so many people clients friends i can't cook and i always go can you read go, yeah i go then follow a recipe like, follow a recipe there's no excuses not to be able to cook can you read yes you can read a recipe Mm -hmm. follow directions yes great you can make something right that's for anything so I think yeah. cooking more at home unless you're from the south and you're making you, you know fried you're making fried chicken and country, gravy and the whole thing mashed potatoes every night there's a different story but I'm talking whole food so <laughs> sticking to always having a protein source and even if you're vegetarian having that protein source is important and kind of making your meal based around that right but I think that best advice I can give is one stick to whole foods avoid process. So that's things, you know, it's your meat, your poultry, your quality dairy, your fish, your vegetables, your fruit are the kind of big general things to focus on with the, they're the most nutrient dense foods. They're going to be the most satiating, keep you full the longest. And overeating is obviously our biggest 
epidemic in the states and worldwide in general. It's not necessarily what people are eating. It's we're we're over consuming. We're over consumers of everything, right? Of news, social media, food, all of it. So one thing I feel like people don't talk about enough is being present with food and putting your phone away. Put your phone away when you're eating. Don't watch in front of a TV. I did that last night in the past two nights before that. So I'm not sitting here saying I'm an angel. I don't do that. But when you are embarking on a new eating regimen or you're trying to become healthier through nutrition, keep the distractions away, enjoy your food and eat when you're hungry. I have people who, I have a friend who eats when they wake up at like 4 a.m. She's like, well, I, you know, I have to work really early. I'm like, yeah, but are you even hungry then? <laughs> like, I feel like we do things out of routine, out of habit, but are you even hungry? Are you even listening to yourself? 4 a.m. I mean, that's so early, right? So eat when you're hungry, cook your meals at home, stick to whole foods and prepare your lunch. If you have a job where you're going into an office, try to bring your food into work to avoid eating out or eating the, the bullshit snacks that, you know, your, your company has there for you. I would say those are like kind of places to start. I just, I think overeating is the big thing. People don't realize how many, what they're consuming because they're distracted. Also, I've heard that eating, like when you're eating processed, like chips or whatever, these like really highly engineered foods there the chemicals in them like trick your brain into thinking that like it's getting some nutrients that it needs but not all and so you eat more and more and more and more because you're trying to get those vitamins and those minerals but they like don't actually even exist in those in those foods at all but now I remember my question that I blanked out on earlier (laughs) we're talking about women being scared of putting on a ton of weight um, and getting bulky. And you said a lot of them aren't eating enough protein or even eating enough calories. And I feel like so many of my friends throughout my life and even me throughout my life have gone through periods of like intense under eating and not even necessarily some that was intentional, but not all of it was intentional. I think that you like get to a place where like 1200 to 1500 just like does make you feel full. But in reality, that's still like probably under eating if you're like an active person. And I have some friends that are like, Oh, I just can't lose weight. I'm like, yeah, you eat a thousand calories every day. Like your body is like holding on to every single calorie that you put in it. Um, so I just want to hear your thoughts on like under eating and then like, how can we, I don't know what is recommended amount for like an American woman or like a woman in the world. Yeah. (laughs) An American, American girl. What do you recommend for her? (laughs) American woman, like they're a different species. <laughs> yeah. So good. yeah, so I don't know with, who I um, think I am. <laughs> just for people here, no one else can take this advice. <laughs> so with with under eating, it's funny because people always say, no, you do lose weight. Of course you lose weight. If you're eating 2,000 calories and you drop down to 1,500, right? That's 500 calories less a day. You multiply that by seven, that's 3,500 calories. And 3,500 calories is equal to one pound. So let's say you cut down 500 every single day for a week. If you keep on that track, you're going to be losing a pound a week. That's how the science works. However, that's going to work initially. 100% that will work initially. You're in a calorie deficit. You're, you're consuming less, right? You're consuming less calories. Excuse me. You're burning more calories than you're consuming. You're now in a calorie deficit as opposed to a surplus. So you will lose that weight by dropping down. But what's going to happen? Your metabolism it's very smart. It's smarter than you are. It's your body automatically. It's going to go, wait a second. Oh, I'm only being fed this. We're going to slow our metabolism down. I'm only being fed this. I need to make sure I conserve and use this. So now your body, you're going to hit a plateau. Maybe not the month, maybe not the first three months. You're going to hit a plateau though, because that's the new norm. You have now 
moved your baseline down, right? And so this is where it becomes challenging because now people are eating really low calories, 1200, 1500 calories a day, right? And they're not losing weight. They're like, what's going on? It's well, that's your body's new normal. So with under eating, I don't want to give this advice, but yeah, you'll lose weight initially, but you're going to plateau and it's going to be really, really hard to stay mentally healthy when it comes to food, your relationship with food, because you're not going to get the outcome that you want. And you're already, you're already starving yourself. You're already in a deficit. So it starts to mentally kind of trick you, right? So people cut down even more. Maybe they'll see a tiny bit of change, but now they're depleted. They're weaker. They're breaking down muscle and their body composition is changing as a result, right? Instead of looking leaner, you're starting to kind of have that, that kind of depleted look. And it's not usually the aesthetic most people are going for, right? So it becomes a really dangerous game to keep calorie, to keep dropping. Cause that's where we have disordered eating, eating disorders that come into play quickly. In terms of recommended protein amount, this is actually my biggest piece of advice when it comes to nutrition. Anytime a client's ever asked me, what is one thing I should implement in my nutrition regimen? It's your, pro- my protein recommendation. So let's take someone who's 150 pounds. If you're trying to put on muscle or even maintain muscle, you should be eating about 0.8 grams to one gram per pound of body weight. That's for muscle building or maintenance, depending on your body composition. So that person who is 150 pounds, right? What's eight times 15. Let me do the math in my head really quickly. 61, 20. That's 120 grams of protein a day, 0.8 to 150 grams. That'll be your one, you know, one gram protein per pound of body weight. That's a lot of protein, but that is going to keep you very full. So if you have your protein really high, naturally, the other things like carbohydrates that you most likely don't always need, right. We'll kind of take, we'll kind of be put in the back burner. You're eating high protein. Your body utilizes most of the protein you feed it. It's a myth that you can't take more than 20 grams of protein at a time. Complete nutrition myth. Your body will use most of that protein and it's not going to be stored as fat. Typically speaking, unless you're just over consuming in complete excess, but that's the kind of one macronutrient group that does not get stored as fat. It's actually utilized very well by the body. So having that kind of range, if you are not active at all, I would go more than like that 0.6 to range per, per, you know, um, pound of body weight. But let's, let's talk through like a 120 breakdown. Let's say someone's eating 120 grams of protein today. That could be, so three eggs in the morning, that'd be like 21 grams. Let's just call it 20, right? Let's say as a snack, someone has a scoop of protein with like water and a banana. We're looking at like 45 to 50 already. And we're not even at lunchtime yet, right? So we're already almost halfway there. It's, you have a chicken breast that's 40 grams. We're at 90. And then dinner is going to be over 30 grams because you're going to have fish or whatever it may be. It's actually pretty easy to attain if you're focused on it. Was that a lot of information or is that okay? <laughs> no, I'm like <laughs> still, my brain is like slowly computing all that, but I have heard that. And I have also heard random fun fact that it's really good for people with ADHD to have a high protein breakfast in the morning because you don't dopamine chase as much or like your dopamine levels are a lot more regulated. So for like mental health issues, high protein is very good. Um, so I've been trying to incorporate more protein. Do you have a protein powder recommendation? Cause I have not found a good one that I like. <laughs> Yes. One of the ones that I do like is from Sprouts. If you don't have a Sprouts, sorry, you're shit out of luck, but it's from <laughs> Sprouts. It's just their basic whey protein. It is the white, it's the white container with the blue label. I think it's blue for both chocolate and vanilla. I'd have to check. I think it's blue. It's the blue label. Um, a whey protein is going to be your most easily absorbed protein, uh, protein type. Your body prefers whey over 
any kind of rice or soy or pea protein. It's the most quickly used. And this one does, it's very, very low sugar and there's not a lot of bullshit additives. Is it the best one on the market? No, there's so many companies now I haven't kept up, but that's the one I've used for a long time and, yeah. I, and I enjoy it. That's all you need. You need a, a good old faithful. <laughs> yes. And I'm actually really glad you brought up the ADHD thing, Jordan, because even for someone who doesn't have ADHD in the mornings, starting off with higher protein, higher fat, it keeps you fuller for longer in the morning. And you don't have that insulin spike. So insulin is one of your metabolic hormones that it, it raises when you eat any kind of carbohydrate because it tries to regulate your blood sugar. Hi, I cut out there. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> hi. Apologize. A FaceTime call. No worries. So insulin spikes when you have carbohydrates and that, you know, kind of drives your blood sugar crazy. So to keep your blood sugar regulated, having high protein in the morning is important for that for people with ADHD or any kind of hyperactivity in general. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it helps the afternoon crash, which is such a huge thing for me because I always have like a sugary, it's not like a sugary breakfast, but fruit. Yeah, very sugary. Um, and then I just at 3 p.m. I'm like, time for bed. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> totally. And it's so easy because you crave, like we all have sugar cravings, right? Mm-hmm. This is a um a kind of a fun fact too. I think it, it was helpful when I learned this. I only I think read about this about a year ago, but when you have really high carbohydrate snacks or anything at nighttime, what happens is your insulin spikes, obviously, to control your blood sugar. And when your insulin is high your human growth hormone, your HGH cannot be high as well. They have an, an inverse correlation when one's high, the other one's low. And your HGH is what helps you rebuild muscle tissue into repair and to grow. And so if you have a really high carb meal for bed, it's really hard to kind of, to, to recover essentially. So kind of trying to tame that or to kind of reel that in is important. I would love for you to just kind of like, we're about to wrap up here, summarize or like, I guess, pitch weightlifting to women. I mean, that's primarily our, our, listeners so like what are the values like why should people lift weights over other workout types good question so if you were to choose any any form of physical activity if you were to just choose one thing I think it should definitely be weightlifting and I'm not pitching this because I'm a trainer it's rather because that's what I do it's the most bang for your buck weightlifting inherently has cardio within it your heart rate's up your heart rate's up because you're obviously working hard, right? So you're already naturally getting cardio, but it is the quickest way to change your body composition. If you want to lose fat, it is the quickest way to do so. And also have muscle, which makes you look leaner cardio. You'll lose body fat, but you, some people have naturally lean bodies with just cardio, totally fine. But women in particular, we lose so much bone density as we age, but I think it's age 65. We lose about 40 to 45% of our bone density. So cardio degrades a lot of your bone, right? Cause it's a lot of ground and pounds, a lot of pounding, especially on cement or even just joint issues with cycling, things of that nature. Weightlifting not only increases your bone density, increases your musculature and you lose body fat and it takes less time. Having a 20 minute weightlifting workout as opposed to a 20 minute cardio workout is going to elicit way more and evoke way more positive changes than that cardio session. Um, to wrap it up, we always like to ask people like, what are your if you have any fitness resources for people they can like listen to or read and then also just kind of like your favorite books or podcasts or whatever you like to listen to. Oh yeah. I have, I'll give you a couple podcasts that I really enjoy for the fitness space. They always keep it real and it's pretty straightforward advice. One of them is called 
Mind Pump. I've been listening to that for a very long time. Uh, one of the hosts' name is Sal Stefano. I really like him, but Mind Pump is a really good one. Also, Ben Greenfield Fitness is very good. Sometimes his stuff is too dense, but they're, they're very good followers on Instagram. Also, they give a lot of quick tips and they kind of talk about very general topics within the fitness space. I like both of them. I'm trying to think about on Instagram that you can follow. I feel like I don't really follow many fitness things. It's so trending. Everything's so trendy now. And it's like, everyone's doing too much. But yeah, let me think of someone. I'm trying to think of. It's hard to think of Instagrams right now off the top of my head, but definitely those two podcasts I really like for fitness. And I think, I think just the biggest thing in general is to work on your consistency and discipline, whatever that means to you. Like realize that delayed gratification is way more beneficial than instant. Like motivation is your why, right? Like why you're doing things, but discipline is you actually doing it. Like doing things you know are good for you, even though you don't want to. So I would focus yeah. more on like going inwards before like looking at what other people are doing mm-hmm. for the fitness space. But those two podcasts I do like. I'm curious quickly before we get into just your general favorite books and podcasts, but do you have like tips for fitness media literacy like people how do you know when information is legit or like what you should be listening to because like you mentioned there's so much exercise and nutrition information out there like what do you look for when you're like is this real or is this just bullshit one of the things I look for are not we're not looking at all the acronyms next to someone's name you can get you can have all the money and save all the tests and pass the test because you're brilliant and you're good at taking tests, right? It means nothing about your actual knowledge to apply that to clients. So I think one thing is looking at testimonials, but not just written ones, like looking at actual proof, right? Of client transformations, things of that nature. And also looking into people's eBooks that they're putting out. A lot of people put out these things and it, it, they give the full their full program. There's a lot of programs out there that are not only free, but you can pay for. And I think talking to people who've used them is really, really important. Getting like actual anecdotal evidence of people using that. So I think one body transformation is because there's proof in the pudding there, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to see actual proof, there's some right there. It's so hard. It's Jordan, that's such a challenging and multifaceted question because people spew a lot of bullshit. Yeah. And it's hard to know. I think you need to have in-depth conversations where you ask, ask all the questions that you need to ask to that person particularly, right? Or will they mm-hmm. work with to see how they respond? If they give really generic responses and, you know, it, I think you can kind of read through that, but it is hard to know until you actually do whatever they're telling you to do yourself. It's hard to know. I think trial and error is the biggest thing in the fitness industry. You have to give things a go to know whether they're going to work for you. I'm sure that's yeah. not a great answer, but it, it's hard to know just by looking at someone's Instagram, what, how, what they're capable of. No, I mean, it is good too, because it also, it's like, be critical of everything. Like be, you know, look at everything with a skeptical eye. Don't believe that you can get your 20 minute dream bond on a side of the building yeah. <laughs> two days a week. Um, but yeah, we'd love to know, do you have just in general, your favorite like books or resources, podcasts, what are you listening to reading for fitness or just in general, in general, in general. Oh, geez. Uh, favorite books. This is non-fitness related. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want. Uh, Harry it Potter. Be anything. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, favorite books. Okay, I'd say nonfiction. I'm looking at my, my bookshelf is right here. I'm going to walk myself over to my bookshelf. 
my brain is turning off it's all like 8 p.m i can't we've had like multiple guests do this we need to just tell people that we're gonna ask i know people hate this question apparently (laughs) no it's okay okay i'll give i'll give a few um I just read one by a, she's an author in the UK. It's called Everything I Know About Love. Oh, Mm. I have that on my want to read. On Goodreads? (laughs) On Goodreads. Oh, we should be friends on Goodreads. (laughs) Yeah, we should be friends. It's so good. That one's great. Um, What other, that was a memoir. Other nonfiction I like. Anything by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, I don't know if Mm -hmm. familiar. Talking to Strangers is really good. Outliers is good. The Tipping Point. Mm, what else sapiens is a very good one i just read that read that a few years ago oh i just finished a good one too on dopamine it's called the molecule of more i read that it's so good (laughs) it's so fascinating i was obsessed with it i know it is and they use so many like politics and love and sex and it's crazy yeah it's Mm -hmm. it's a great book um nonfiction. let's see I actually don't, sorry, fiction rather. I don't really read a lot of fiction, but I just read all of Emily Henry's books. Um, mm-hmm. Beach Read, People We Meet on Vacation, Book Lovers. Those were really cute. I like those. Mm-hmm. In podcasts I'm listening to, Girls Gotta Eat. Love Girls Gotta Eat. Love. I love The Skinny Confidential with Lauren Everett and Michael Bostick. Love. I love The Genius Life with Max Lugavere. He's very good for all things health related. Obviously, Daddy and Dr. <laughs> Huberman, Andrew Huberman. Oh my God. Yeah. I thought you were saying, like, what's it? Call her Daddy, but you're saying, obviously, Daddy Huberman. Yeah, Daddy Huberman. Uh, Hello. Oh my gosh. That's even better. Uh, Daddy <laughs> Huberman. He's the best. I love yeah, him. Cool daddy. <laughs> love him. I'm getting hot just talking about it. Anyways, just kidding. <laughs> um well thank you this was absolutely wonderful I feel like I mean this episode was so packed with incredible information I'm actually so excited to share I think people are really gonna love it it was like great tips so thank you for sharing all your knowledge um and yeah thank you so much for coming on we love this thanks for having me on ladies I appreciate it and if you want to share where people can like find you really quickly, if mm, your podcast or your personal Instagram or whatever, where people can find you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, so on Instagram, I have a fitness Instagram. It's at Sheerfit, S-C-H-E-R-R-F-I-T. I do a little cooking series called Cooking with Jess every once in a while where I show my whole recipes. And then also I have a podcast as well. It's a health and wellness podcast with my good friend, John Vargo. And that is at the Inside Job Podcast. And that's also just like the two of you. You can find that anywhere. Let me know if you listen to any episodes. That'd be awesome. And yeah, reach out to me. Yay. Thank you so Amazing. much. Amazing. Thank, Thank you. you <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs>